Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos Nachamu. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
I'd like to sing one more little bit sad song, a little bit happy both. The cover says Shabbos. Give me a harmony, friends, give me a harmony, hold on to the last note. Can you imagine? Can you visualize? Can you think about? About 2,400 years ago, somewhere on a street corner in the holy city, Yerushalayim. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was on Matzohe Shabbos. Came down somewhere, somewhere from the Harabayim. You know, sweetest friends, let me tell you, according to our tradition, everybody knows that the Haftarah, the portion of the prophet we read, after a certain portion of the Torah, that means that the prophet prophesied this, on that Motsoi Shabbos of the portion of that we hear. We start getting involved in the depths of it right now. So Shabbos was Hanan 2,400 to 500 years ago. Yushaya Novi listened to the Pasha was Hanan and he came down to the streets and he prophesied and he said, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomar, Elokechem. Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomar, Elokechem. Give me a harmony. Da-da. Uh-huh.
see my sweetest friends. Says Nachem und Nachem Ami. Console my people. Don't ever stop consoling them. And then it says, Dabru Alev Yerushalayim. Speak into the heart of Yerushalayim Vekirelel. And call unto her. You know, sweetest friends, sometimes a person is so desperate for consolation. Sometimes a person is so desperate for one good word that when you want to give it to them, they run away. Can you imagine Mashiach walking right now? Most of us would just run through the window. Couldn't believe it. I want it so much, I can't believe it. Can't believe it. So he says, Dabu, Alev Yerushalayim. When she runs away, don't stop. Vekiro Eleo, run after her. I keep on crying loud. It's true, it's true. Again, I know it's so true. Sometimes you want to talk to your children, they're crying. They run away because they're waiting for Mashiach so desperately. Give me how many one more time.
JM in the AM. Good morning. Any idea what day it is? Maybe Erev Shabbos Nachamu, based on the uh, selections that we've been featuring here at JM in the AM. Good morning, all. Welcome to a Friday on this 28th day of July. Today is Esther Liel Siegel's first birthday. Wow, it's hard to believe it was a year ago. Wow, that is hard to believe. Baruch Hashem, Chazdei Hashem, Kilotamnu. That's a good song to play, actually. Pretty timely since we had those words this week. Um, 28th day of July, day number 10 in the month of Menachem Av. It is the day after Tisha B'Av. I hope the fast was a, a fast one. I think that uh, most people would uh, argue that the last three hours of the fast were not very fast, but <laughs> whatever. Baruch Hashem. By about 15 minutes after the fast last night, I seem to be fine. Baruch Hashem. Um, so the fast of Tisha B'Av is over. We are here on the 10th day of Menachem Av. It is, in fact, Erev Shabbos Nachamu here at JMNAM, Erev Shabbos Parshas V.S. Hanon. Candle lighting time in New York, 7.55. 7.55 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Sunday, we're up at Camp Hask. And uh, that broadcast will be heard Monday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. right here. We are going. We don't do it normally. We don't do it. It's not a usual practice for us, but we make this exception for Hask Experience Day. We'll pre-record Jam and Am Monday morning edition on Sunday from Camp Hask. Again, we'll air it Monday here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Honeline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, one hour from now, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here with a weekly update. Harry Rothenberg, Rabbi Yudin, all coming up. It's Erev Shabbos Nachamu. I hope you have plans uh, that you'll enjoy, that you're happy with. If you're staying home, I hope you have an opportunity to relax and think of the comfort that we are supposed to feel from the one above this time of year, now that Tisha B'Av has ended. And if you're on the road, thanks for schlepping us along and tuning in to JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. You'll be very happy today because after JM and the AM at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, we've got the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's hosted by Mark Zamek. Today's edition, I think over 100 Nachamu slash Vyashanan slash Haftorah songs. Thank you, Mark. It's pretty amazing. Um, and then, of course, our Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem starting just before 7 p.m. Eastern time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday, a Nachamu Sunday weekend show, which should be pretty cool. Matis again live, 7 a.m. this coming Sunday morning here on the Nahum Siegel Network. And Monday, as we said, is the show that we're going to be doing from Hask. If you're in the Parksville area, if you're up in the Catskills for the weekend, as many, 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 many people are, uh, feel free to stop by. Camp Hask is um, open to all this Sunday to experience Hask Experience Day. It is literally open to all. Everybody can come and enjoy and have a, uh, a very close look at the magic of Camp Hass that we're going to be featuring during the uh, conversations that we have on Sunday that you'll hear on Monday morning. Uh, so that's 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Joey Newcomb and Baruch Levine in concert. Campus is beautiful. I don't want to jinx it, but the weather every single Hask Experience Day is spectacular, and I already see that Sunday's weather is supposed to be great. So 
hopefully that'll hold up. One thing about this area uh, for this summer, <laughs> there's no guarantee that the weather holds up one hour to the next. That That's something we've learned too many times already. One day I left the studio last week and I looked at the forecast. There was no rain at all in the forecast. I said, okay, I won't take my umbrella. And sure enough, you know what happened. Uh, it was that day, Tuesday, where we had those massive, massive thunderstorms for about two, three hours late Tuesday afternoon. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to listener Jeff. Listener Jeff, who I had the pleasure of uh, spending time with a couple of Shabbatot ago. Really, really nice gentleman. Um, Stacy and I had a wonderful time with, uh, with both him and Leslie. So I want to say, a, I want to give out, or I should say, I want to, uh, I want to give a special shout out to listener Jeff, who's tuned in right now. You know where, you know where in Thornhill, Ontario, my gosh, they're getting ready for a Shabbos Nachamu in Thornhill, Ontario. If you would have told me 40 years ago that on a regular basis, I'd be able to speak with people who could clearly hear me live from Thornhill, Ontario, I don't think I would have believed it. Uh, so thanks, listener Jeff. Have a wonderful Shabbos and best regards. And uh, keep spreading the word north of the border that this is the place for the Jewish world to meet on a daily basis. And I greatly appreciate that. More coming up. It's JM in the AM on Erev Shabbos Nachamu. My thanks, by the way, to Rabbi Goldwasser. A lot of people were uh, very appreciative that we presented a live kinnis service yesterday on the air. So a big thank you to Rabbi Goldwasser for really inspiring us with so many interesting things and so many great words yesterday on a, on a day that's difficult sometimes to get into the right mood on Tisha B'Av. So a big thank you to Rabbi Goldwasser from all of us here at JM in the AM. Donnie Kunstler's next. Erev Shabbos Nachamu. You're listening to JM in the AM.
with Nachamu done by Donnie Kunstler and company. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Nachamu here at JM in the AM. Yeah, that calendar moves pretty quickly, wouldn't you say? We're just uh, just about six weeks away from the uh, high holidays, believe it or not, which is really hard to believe. And Chodesh Elul is uh, just two, three weeks away, which is also uh, frankly hard to believe. But anyway, let's enjoy Shabbos Nachamu while we have it and while we're here on this Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Hope the uh, Tisha B'Av day was uh, relatively okay for you. And thanks for tuning in here on a uh, Friday morning broadcast. By the way, I, um, I I thank everybody who's commenting on the app. And by the way, according to the rumors, Heshi Lowy is preparing a very large and delicious cholent for Shabbos Nachamu. I don't, um, I don't doubt that. Oh, and by the way, in the aftermath of our nine days programming, listener Mensch says the lectures of Rabbi Wine are very enjoyable and informative. He is quite a lambdan and a credit to your program. Please continue his exciting presentations for years to come. Rabbi Wine should live and be well. Amen to that. And it is always a delight when we see Rabbi Wine in Israel or speak with him. Pretty amazing. Uh, listener Yudi says, have a wonderful Shabbos Nachamu. Sending my best from Cleveland. Thank you, Yudi. Yeah, we've got Thornhill tuned in. We've got Cleveland tuned in. And it seems we've got Mitzpah Yericho tuned in. Rabbi Guide. <laughs> special, special Mazal Tov in regards to the Weiss family. And Rabbi Weiss, by the way, I am sitting now in my New Jersey studio. The one we built here is one of our multiple studios after the fire. You're very familiar with this area. This is your turf, as they say, here in New Jersey. West Englewood Avenue. And it's pretty amazing that you're checking in from its Bay Yericho, um, as we broadcast here in Teaneck. So anyway, in addition to that meeting being meaningful to me, Rabbi Guide writes, Mazal Tov to our daughter, Chana. Excuse me, is that Charna? Oh, I'm having trouble reading now. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Yeah, it looks like Charna. Mazal tov to our daughter, Charner. Our grandson, R.D., is celebrating his Shabbos Nachamu Bar Mitzvah in Mitzpah Yericho. And Rabbi Guide says, we're looking forward to seeing your machatonim. I've already, uh, I've already instructed the Pilachowskis to give a personal mazal tov. And uh, so nice of you to check in. And R.D., you have an amazing family, and you should be a... Uh, a um, in addition to a wonderful Bar Mitzvah boy... You should be a source of tremendous nachat, nachas to your family and Klal Yisrael. 
And um, it's amazing that uh, the Weisses moved a long time ago, relatively speaking, from Bergen County to Israel. What a tremendous example that was. Thank you. And we're still able to be in touch. And now, of course, because of the connection with Mitzpah Yericho, we could be even more in touch. Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning broadcast, 7.55 is candle lighting time in New York. Many, many synagogues and communities begin earlier than that. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And in general, because you don't want to rely on a New York candle lighting, if you're uh, somewhere else in Thornhill, Cleveland, Mitzpah Yericho, make sure you know when things start where you are, and let's have a wonderful, peaceful, calm, and celebratory uh, Shabbos Nachamu, a Shabbos Nachamu that leaves a smile, please God, on everyone's face. More coming up. It's Eitan Katz at JM in the AM. Nah, I'm 
נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. 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 דברו הלב ירושלים. דברו הלב ירושלים, נחמו עמי, דברו הלב ירושלים. אמר השם, אמר השם, את מי צריך לנחם? האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? מי שנשרף ביתו מי שנשבו בניו, את מי צריך לנחם? נחמוני, נחמוני עמי. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. 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 
eyes and so many tears It's time to turn to Hashem For the hope and the comfort we need Listen, do you hear the sounds of you? With Velvel Morantz, a song entitled Nachamu. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. It's Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Hope you're Fast was fast and meaningful. And now, thank God, we're at Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Candle lighting in New York, 755. Make sure you know when things start where you are no matter what city in the world you might be visiting. And if, even if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, your synagogue and neighborhood might begin uh, Shabbos earlier, so just be aware of all that. That's a good thing to keep in mind. Uh, Harry Rothenberg coming up, Rabbi Yudin in hour number three, uh, Malcolm Holmline with the weekly update. Rev. Judah Michelle will check in from Camp Hask. Hask Experience Days is coming Sunday. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from JM&M. Galei Tzal, Shalom Rav, Baulpan Hadar, Vismonski, Weinberg, מנכ"ל משרד החינוך אסף צלאל מתפטר מתפקידו בעקבות הקרע בציבור סביב החקיקה המשפטית. צלאל הודיע היום על החלטתו ואמר, הקרע אליו הגענו אינו מאפשר לי להמשיך ולממש את אחריותי כהלכה. הוא הוסיף, מעולם לא השתייכתי לצד זה או אחר ואיני בוחר צד גם היום. מערכת החינוך היא ממלכתית ויש לשמור עליה כזו. יש לקחת אותה כעת, לחשב מסלול מחדש וגם באמצעותה לפעול לאיחוי הקרעים. צלאל ציין כי כנציג ציבור הוא מבקש לקחת אחריות ולסיים את תפקידו, אך כטייס מילואים ימשיך לטוס ולשרת את צה"ל בראש מורם, כך מסרה כתבתנו לענייני חינוך יובל מילר. חבר הכנסת גלעד קריב מהעבודה אמר בתגובה להתפטרות, כי גם אם יתעלמו מכך במשרד החינוך מהיום ועד 1 בספטמבר, ההתפטרות מעבירה מסר ברור לשרידי הליכוד הממלכתי, שאי אפשר לכרות ברית עם כהניסטים ולאומנים, אלא רק עם רוב הציבור הישראלי. כתבי אישום הוגשו היום נגד ארבעה מהמעורבים ברצח העבריין ליאור, ליאור גרינברג בחולון לפני כשלושה חודשים. פרקליטות מחוז תל אביב הגישה לבית המשפט המחוזי בעיר כתבי אישום נגד ארבעת העבריינים, חברי ארגון פשיעה שהיה מסוכסך עם גרינברג מארגון הפשיעה של האחים מוסלי. כתבתנו בתל אביב, אנה פינס מוסיפה כי על פי האישום, אחד הנאשמים שהה בדובאי בעת הרצח והכווין את חבריו בזמן האירוע בעזרת מצלמות האבטחה בביתו בהן צפה מרחוק. חמישה פצועים בתאונה בין אופנוע לבין רכב פרטי בכביש 4, בקטע שמצומת מזרעה לכיוון צפון. צוותים של מגן דוד אדום פינו מהמקום את הפצועים, ובהם רוכב האופנוע בן 20 שנפצע במצב בינוני עם חבלות בגפיים, וארבעת נוסעי הרכב שנפגעו באורח קל. כתבנו בחיפה קובי מנדל מעדכן כי נסיבות התאונה נחקרות. 
אלי בירנבאום, יושב ראש הוועד הפראלימפי הישראלי, שכיהן גם כיושב ראש ההתאחדות הישראלית לספורט נכים, הלך הבוקר לעולמו בבית החולים איכילוב, לאחר מאבק ממושך במחלת הסרטן. שר התרבות והספורט מיקי זוהר ספד לו, וכתב כי בירנבאום דאג לקידום ספורט הנכים בישראל, נתן תקווה לאלפי בעלי מוגבלויות, והכניס אותם לעולם הספורט המיוחד הזה. כך עדכן כתב חדשות הספורט יוסי ריס. מזג האוויר להיום, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, אך יוסיף להיות שרבי ברוב אזורי הארץ, וישרור עומס חום כבד עד קיצוני. מחר צפויה הקלה קלה נוספת בעומס החום, אלה החדשות.
There we go. Jam in the AM. Avram Rosenblum and Diaspora with Nachamu here on a Friday morning air of Shabbos Nachamu at Jam in the AM. Oh, yes, we're rolling with amazing music, lots of Nachamu themes. Uh, coming up at 10 a.m., it's Mark Zamek hosting the Erev Shabbos show for Erev Shabbos Nachamu. You want to hear over 100 songs that are either Nachamu, Veschanan, or Haftorah related? It's coming up, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem, our Erev Shabbos music mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. All day long, our final hour, just before... Um, just before 7 p.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. That starts at 9.30. Um, Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday. Matis with JM Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time, live for a Shabbos Nachamu Sunday, Shabbos Nachamu weekend Sunday, I should say. Before uh, before uh, Diaspora, you heard Safam with Nachamu to open up the hour. Harry Rothenberg in just a moment. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. And, um, and comment away. Listener Tina says the app keeps dropping, and she has to refresh the app. Anyone else have this issue and how to resolve it? Do me a favor. Uh... One or two people out there, just comment and let me know if you're having that problem. Um, is it a app-wide problem or is it Tina's problem? And uh, then we can you know, start figuring out what the story is here. Harry Rothenberg has uh, something to say regarding Shabbos Parshas Veschanan, Shabbos Parshas, uh, well, Shabbos Parshas Veschanan, Shabbos Nachamu, I should say. Uh, and, uh, of course, when we uh, check in with Harry Rothenberg, his words are in the Schusavari Fur Shlema for Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Please keep her in mind. Ruchama Chana Etel Bas Chava. Harry Rothenberg here on an Erev Shabbos Nachamu at JM in the AM. The beginning of this week's Torah portion is both beautiful and painful at the same time. It's beautiful because it includes the iconic scene of when God tells Moses, Moshe, that although he can't enter the promised land, he can gaze at it. So Moshe climbs up to a scenic vantage point and he stares, he gazes at the entire expanse of the land of Israel in every direction with that burning, yearning desire to enter. He can't, but he wants to so badly. And when he does that, he sears that desire into the consciousness of every later Jew so that every one of us will want to live in Israel or at least visit or tune in when it's in the news or support or at least have some connection to the land, to our land. But it's also painful because that scene occurs right on the heels of Moshe's unsuccessful request to try to convince God to let him enter the land. The rabbis explained that Moshe prayed 515 heartfelt prayers before God finally said to him, enough, not another word on the topic. And he stopped praying. The rabbis further tell us that had he prayed one more prayer, God would have had to relent and led him into the promised land. It shows us the incredible power of prayer. A human being's heartfelt request can at times 
forced God to change his mind. And it also shows us Moshe and what was perhaps the finest moment in his life. If it were me, it might have been different. If, God forbid, an angel would ever tap me on the shoulder on the eve of Yom Kippur and say, dude, don't bother fasting or praying. I looked in the book, you're not gonna make it through this year. I wouldn't listen to that. I'd redouble my efforts. I'd pray with intensity like never before. But Moshe must have known that he was on the verge of convincing God, and yet he listened and he stopped, even though he had a precedent to go on. Previously, after the sin of the golden calf, God told him, leave me alone, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people. Moshe didn't leave God alone. He prayed and he saved us. And so he could have run through the stop sign again this time. He could have said, God, I'm begging you, tear down that wall, let me into the promised land but he didn't. The difference was that the first time around after the golden calf, when God said, leave me alone, Moshe wasn't talking or praying at the time. He realized, one second, God's hinting to me that he wants me to pray to save the Jewish people. But this time, in contrast, Moshe was praying. So when God said, stop, not another word, Moshe knew that God meant it. And so as he always did, he sets the right example for us. As difficult as it is, when God says something, you've got to listen. But there's still one more question. Why did God wait for Moshe to pray 515 prayers? If he knew he wasn't going to let Moshe into the promised land, why not cut him off after one prayer or 10 or 50? 515 sounds cruel. But maybe God wanted Moshe to keep praying to create a reservoir of prayer, a reservoir of tears up in heaven that later Jews could access. And who knows, maybe it's that pool of tears that Jews throughout the millennia have tapped into. Back at the time of Ezra the scribe when he brought the Jews back after the first exile to rebuild the temple. Back in 1948 when we retook title to our ancestral land. More recently when Jews from Yemen and Ethiopia and Russia were able to fulfill their dream and get out of those countries and make it to the promised land. And every year when individual Jews and families or groups decide to move to Israel and make it their home. So don't ever get frustrated if you pray and your prayers aren't answered immediately or aren't answered at all. You have no idea what effect those prayers may have someday up in heaven or down here on earth.
The cast of Eish Kodesh with Nachamu here at JM and the AM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Nachamu. 
at JM in the AM. We're live from our New Jersey studio this morning, and I thank all of you for tuning in. My thanks again to Rabbi Goldwasser for yesterday. Amazing, inspiring presentation of Kinnis here on the air. Uh, it's Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Everybody's, everybody's fast was uh, good and fast and nice and meaningful. And here we are on a Friday morning broadcast. Well, this is something. <laughs> we have just heard from our listeners in Belfast, Northern Ireland in the United Kingdom. Unfortunately, the message is that the app does keep dropping out. Isn't that interesting? In Mitzpah Yericho, Rabbi Weiss confirmed that we've been on continuously without a problem. And in Belfast, it seems to be a problem. Unless, again, you know, the service that one has with their phone is causing that to happen. Hmm. Well... I apologize. I hope people, uh, if it does drop out, are, are, are heading right back in and reconnecting. And we'll see what we could do on our end, of course. Take this uh, very, very seriously, as you would imagine. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is coming up. He's vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos here at JM and the Amor by Yudin, of course. Parshas Vezchanan, Shabbos Nachamu. We'll check in with Reb Judah Michelle. Rabbi Judah Michelle has an invitation for everybody for this coming Sunday, Hask Experience Day. Uh, Hask Experience Day is Sunday, and everyone is invited. No joke. Literally, everyone is invited. Joey Newcomb and Baruch Levine and others will be in concert up there, which is pretty cool. And um, it should be a wonderful day. It always is, frankly. Monday mornings, JM and the AM will be the uh, show that we do Sunday when we speak with the guests up at Camp Hask. So Monday mornings, JM and the AM between 6 and 9 will be our appearance at Hask on Sunday. So when you tune in Monday morning, that's what's going to be happening. So just be aware of that. And... Um, That'll bring everybody up to date in terms of uh, what to expect programming-wise. More Nachamu selections for an era of Shabbos Nachamu at JM in the AM.
אחיכם. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. דברו עליהם ירושלים, דברו עליהם ירושלים. נחמו עמי, דברו עליהם ירושלים. אמר השם, אמר השם, את מי צריך לנחם? אותי צריכים לנחם. מי שנשרף ביתו, מי שנשבו בניו, את מי צריך לנחם? נחמוני, נחמוני עמי. נחמו עמי, let your heart feel free, my children you will see. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. נחמו עמי, yes I guarantee, just leave it all to me. נחמו עמי, נחמו עמי, יאמר אלוקיכם. דברו עליו ירושלים, דברו נחמו עמי, דאמרו עליהם ירושלים. אמר השם, אמר השם, את מי צריך לנחם? האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? מי שנשרף ביתו, מי שנשבו בניו את מי צריך לנחם? נחמוני, נחמוני עמי. מי שנשרף ביתו, מי שנשבו בניו, מי שנטרף צאנו, האם לא אותי צריכים לנחם? נחמוני Thank you. 
JM and the AM, as you would suspect, many Nachamu selections on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. That one by Effie Green. Before that, Ari Goldwag. Before that, Avram Rosenberg and Silva Zimmer. Before that, Shamayim. Lots of groups and uh, acts and artists with uh, Nachamu uh, as one of their featured songs. In fact, speaking of Nachamu, don't forget Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos show at 10 a.m. Eastern time, just a couple hours from now, and he will feature over 100 Nachamu as Hanan Haftorah selections. Um, on this special edition of the Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem that starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. So uh, if you're tuned in today for great music, stay tuned in because, my gosh, Mark is going to give you a um, a trayful, not a plateful, a trayful, one of those big trays they had in the Catskills Hotels for Shabbos Nachamu of great Jewish music right here at JM and AM. Candle lighting at 755 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are in this Erev Shabbos. Parshas V'eschanan, Erev Shabbos Nachamu. A big uh, shout-out to our friends at jewishworldreview.com. Uh, if you want thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, check out jewishworldreview.com. They will get the job done for you, and you'll be able to do just that and learn a lot over the weekend. Go to jewishworldreview.com. And enjoy. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update at JM and the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Tisha B'Av is always a day of reflection in addition to it being a day of lamenting and prayer and fasting and mourning. Um, any special message coming off of uh, this year's Tisha B'Av, especially in light of the fact that we so desperately are praying for Jewish unity at this time? So I think there's a very obvious message that has been repeated countless times, but can't be repeated enough, that if we don't learn the lessons of history, we're doomed to repeat them. If we don't learn the price, the lack of achlus, you see how our enemies gleefully exploit it, how they, how they are mentioning it, how the Iranian press, how the Hezbollah, how the Hamas guys <clears throat> are chomping at the bit, saying that this is the beginning of the end, this makes Israel vulnerable, that they understand the importance. You can have differences, but there has to be a point where they draw the line and say that, this is that the security and unity come above all else, and the security rests on that unity. When we see, you know, soldiers send a message that um, that they will not serve or other things that come into play, I think it's really uh, the price, as you can see, is very high. You know, a lot of people are obviously tuning in just to hear your comments about what happened this week with the vote, uh, the reaction back to the uh, demonstrations, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll start with that since it's on the list of different things to uh, consider and speak about this morning. Um, on one hand, you have what's been described as thousands who said they would defect and would not serve. On the other hand, uh, we keep hearing that the reserve duty membership or those who, you know, the percentage of those who are actually showing up uh, for their uh, ob obliga obligatory service 
is higher than ever. So what should we believe that that the majority of the country really does want to sit things out because they're uh, in protest of what's happening or things are really relatively the same way it's always been when it comes to the army and the reserves. But the media, of course, has to play up the extreme and scare everybody. Well, in this case, I mean, the media is being fed, spoon fed the things that they can then exploit. You're right, the media tends to be very anti-government oriented and loves to exploit these things as they do in America because this makes news. And, you know, if uh, 10,000 soldiers altogether said they wouldn't serve, remember that Israel's reserve army, an an army is altogether 350,000, 375,000, some huge number. And, um, and so it's significant. I don't dismiss it. I think it's very troublesome. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's the wrong response to the crisis because of what it feeds our enemies. But so you can have both true and not be contradictory. Now tell me if the media is accurate about this. Um, we were we were assuming, I guess maybe this is how Americans think, we were assuming once the vote was over and certainly once Tisha B'Av began uh, that the protests, the demonstrations would completely uh, fall away and you know people would just you know go back home, so to speak. But apparently once Tisha B'Av ended last night, there were many more protests that started up again and the media, of course, is playing that up. Are, are these just, you know, a small residual protests, or are we back to the level of hundreds of thousands of people who are now demonstrating again every time? No, I mean, the media, that was the expectation, and a number of the demonstrators announced that they would fast yesterday, even if they might not normally, as an act of solidarity, but also fasting for a, a change in the policy. Look, as long as Netanyahu is there, those who are upset with the outcome of the election are going to continue. And I think that as long as the funding is there for for these demonstrations, even though it doesn't necessarily take a lot of money for people to gather, uh, I think uh, one would have expected that either the summer they would be deterred. But maybe it's become a, you know, a social phenomenon also of people coming out and being able to express whatever frustrations they have. And they're certainly doing it. So I, I do not anticipate that there'll be an end to this. You know, for, for the opposition parties, this has been a godsend in the sense that their numbers, Betty Gantz's numbers keep going up. And in fact, the latest polls, even though we know they're notoriously unreliable when it comes to Israel, that Israelis tell the truth to the pollsters and then lie at the polls, that the um, that he would get have enough for a 64-vote majority in, in the Knesset. I think it's it's. Uh, I don't see them going to elections now. Uh, this is the government still has a 64 vote majority. I think that there are provocative acts that could be minimized on both sides, and that will get to some sort of a civil dialogue. Because I don't believe that the differences are really that great. I don't think the opposition really wants to see the Supreme Court continue as it is. They all agree that it's a super activist court and it has. Uh, taken for itself expansive roles that are not true in other countries. And maybe this was mishandled from the start about how to go about this. But right now they're riding a horse that they think is, is a winner and the opposition that is. But I hope the people of Israel will demand that everybody come to the table and work it out.
We can't afford it also because of the economic impact. You see some of the studies that the statements have been made, the downgrading or potentially uh, downgrading credit ratings, S&P, uh, Moody's, all of them have come out with uh, warnings and, and statements about it. And that's because of what? The, 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 what's their excuse? The precarious nature? The instability. The instability, precarious nature of the future of the government of Israel. I guess that's how they would... Uh, and, and the inability for them to produce when you have strikes, when you have the threats to leave the country, when you have other things which are not so simple for them just to leave. People threaten to leave. The belief is that a lot of the high-tech sector, uh, a lot of the money for these demonstrations are coming from the high-tech sector, and some of them do have options. Um, we've seen the outflow of some, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't have done it anyway. So yeah. it's just a cover. Uh, and by and by the way, if we're, let me just wrap up this uh, rant about the you know the media emphasizing the extreme. Uh, when major media sources like the New York Times have headlines like "unhappy with right-wing leaders, some Israelis hatch escape plans," and they and they cite you know some of the things we just referred to, whether they're applying for passports for uh, for other countries that they're eligible for passports, uh, if they're transferring money overseas, etc. I mean, I would have to imagine, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, and I'm very curious what you think. I would have to imagine that no matter that that whether there are protests or not or whether there's happiness with the judiciary system in Israel or not there's always a a significant segment or a you know yeah a significant segment of Israeli society that's always uh, applying for other passports that's always thinking about you know to putting their money you know somewhere else internationally it can't be that this phenomenon began simply because of an unhappiness with the judiciary branch of government no, that's true. We saw it in Spain and Portugal, most recently in other countries where Israelis have an extra passport just in case. Uh, it also makes travel easier. I mean, I want to get a European passport so that you don't have to wait on those long lines when you go to Europe that the Americans have to wait in. Just as they don't like the long lines, they have to wait when they come to America. The um, So, the, 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 yes, it is true that it was on. The question is the numbers, and we'll know that later. But I can tell you that I know from some of the foreign governments have told me that they are, they have received a far larger number of requests really? for uh, for passports. But that can be a matter of percentage. It doesn't, and absolute numbers are not clear at all. Right, and and then the question is if the threat's real. You know, it's it's the old of this person wins. I'm moving to Canada, which of course never happens. So when when it comes to the Israelis, I understand that they're making certain moves, passports to make things easier, and the money, etc. But I don't know if they're actually going to leave Israel. Right. right. And many of them, you know, if, if you have a high tech business, much of you you may have offices abroad anyway, and of necessity, something we, we right. know that is important. Uh, as long as the R and D and everything stays in Israel. Then and all the creativity is still in Israel, and we see that the, that the Bird Foundation, the Binational Research and Development uh, Foundation, uh, just allocated I don't know eight million dollars for nine new projects between U.S. and Israeli companies. Uh, Intel is putting twenty-five billion dollars center. Nvidia is building a center in Israel, so it's not all a doom and gloom story. Now, I don't want to be alarmist, and I certainly don't want to sound selfish, but we should issue. A lot of people are going to be going to Israel now. You know, it's Shabbos Nachamu. This is the time of year now when people really get on their, uh, you know, on their vacation plans, and a lot of people are going to be heading to Israel. Should we assume, based on your 
I don't want to say prediction, but your analysis of the reaction uh, to this um, uh, to this vote. Should we assume that the airports could be blocked, that the roads could be blocked, that people coming in and obviously people living in Israel could be very much inconvenienced over the next few weeks? So could be is the is the operative term here. It could be. But uh, as you know, that it, it aroused a lot of public negative uh reaction when they blocked the, the airport and it's small numbers who did it and it only lasted a short while uh, there were people who were inconvenienced obviously and especially those trying to drive out of the airport or into the airport uh, the most serious part is where ambulances were blocked or were not able to function and hospitals going on strike uh, are all serious uh, issues but as you know you know when you're in Jerusalem for instance you, you don't know about you don't feel of tensions and blockages unless you're in an area directly impacted. Right. But when the highway between Tel Aviv and Yerushalayim is blocked, then that impacts everybody trying to go or come from this both cities. So I got to say that there's potential impact depending if the demonstrations just continue unabated and if they can sustain the numbers that they have. And we pray for unity. We started this conversation talking about unity in light of Tisha B'Av yesterday, Shabbos Nachum, who's starting tonight. Uh, and you've seen some of the viral videos about how, in reality, we really are brothers and sisters, no matter what side of the political aisle uh, or the political uh, issue we might be on. Um, I don't know. I, do you get, and I know you want to be optimistic, and we want you to be optimistic, but do you get the general feeling that some of those episodes of unity and demonstration of unity are really few and far between, and we just don't understand just how much hatred there is, unfortunately, going on right now between both sides? I think both are true. I think that there have been a lot of manifestations, and I think people want to come together. I think people, good people, are generally tired. Those who have an ideological or political uh, objective here uh, are not going to be on, uh, on all sides. I think that it's time for reasoned heads to, to emerge and for them to take into account all the realities and sit down. In this case, it's Netanyahu again yesterday called for negotiations and he's ready to sit down. Uh, I know President Herzog is continuing his efforts. Others have, um, you know, and, and we have to see how his health is in the, in the coming uh, weeks. But he looks like he's been able to function, come out of the hospital, go right to the Knesset, which is a challenge for the healthiest person. And they uh, <laughs> and, and, and then uh, and be able to function. So the hope is that the summer heat will enable people to cool off and, uh, <laughs> and sit down and get sound minds together when they see the reality. And nobody knows what would really happen if there's calls for a national referendum. It's not clear at all what the outcome of a national referendum would be when you saw last Sunday, what, 200,000, 300,000, 500,000 estimates about the number of people who came out supporting Netanyahu. Right. And there are other things to think about. First of all, the 64 nothing. I, I mean, I assume you've seen that happen a million times before. I don't recall, uh, you know, where, where the other side literally doesn't vote at all. Uh, I mean, is that common? Is this a, a rarity the way it happened? It's a protest, and, and they know what the outcome would be because it's only the government has a majority. It's going to be the outcome of the Knesset vote. So this way, they turn it into a protest. Right, but has, to, that, but has that shtick? But have they used that yeah. shtick a lot of the people past? Down, yeah, people really? have walked out in the past. Where, where it ended up, there was zero on the other side. I don't know that the zero, but right. uh, certainly where, where they knew it was a lost cause, this is 
I mean, it's not surprising at all, and it didn't, didn't have any impact. And officially, Except are there? They did say that they no, nobody was there. And officially, are there supposed to be more votes now? Like, what's the procedure now? Are they going to no, be now? Everything is uh, the Knesset's closed. Nothing happens till after Sukkot unless they have a emergency session. So right now, nothing else will happen. There are other parts of the bill that they still say they're going to bring up. But this part, the reasonableness clause, right. which I guarantee you, ninety-nine percent of the people can't t- define it. I'm finally getting. I'm, I'm finally getting a little bit of it. Like I'm finally beginning to slightly understand it. <laughs> well, that's very reasonable of you. And, uh, <laughs> and by the way, is the, is the court going to actually intervene now? I mean, that, that would be the biggest irony. Is the court literally now going to intervene and examine? No, they have to. It, it's been brought before the court, and the court has to make a decision. Does the court rule to save its own skin? I mean, this will this will make this will make Bush Gore look like you know the, the most fair evaluation by you mean the hanging Chad. Yeah, this by by the Supreme Court. I mean, they're they're literally voting. It's like voting for your own salary, like they do in Congress. They're literally voting on whether they, as a body, can accept this restriction or not. That's crazy. What's the, what are the chances of it go of, of it not being? Well, there's no out? other option because you don't have any other standard. Right, but what are the odds of it not going through the Supreme Court? Then there will not be a reasonableness act in, enacted, most likely, right? Unless they are able to force some sort of a, of a conciliation and come up with an alternative. But for now, with the Knesset out of session, and I don't think that the government is going to listen to the proposal from the Supreme Court. But we'll have to see. They, they are deliberating it. It's funny. The protesters are going to regret having spent all that time on the street when they'll realize that all this time, even if Netanyahu made sure to get it through with 64 votes, it's still going to be voted out by the Supreme Court. <laughs> I mean, if this, yeah. is, if this is the inevitability that they have to approve you know, any adjustment to the way they operate, then, I mean, what's the well, point? That's, that's the point about the overreach of the court. Right. And because you don't have the checks and balances that we have here and a court that appoints itself, its successors and, you know, generally oriented in a way. But um, and the court, you know, this is very important because the court's legitimacy in the international community is what protects us at Hague, at The Hague, because one of the criteria is if, if the court's systems are skewed uh, in the country and not likely to have fair trials, et cetera. Then the international court, the the uh, ICC or the or the human rights court, uh, whatever, can are more uh, able to intervene in cases brought against the country. Wow, that's interesting. So I never even thought of that. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world of women, AlchemSiegel.com and the AlchemSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honeline, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. The push for a constitution in Israel, would that make things easier and better? It'll be very complicated. There are people who feel very strongly that uh, the absence of a constitution creates these crises, and having one would help define it, but trying they think how they can't get an agreement on this, how hard it would be to get an agreement on the text of the Constitution. Is it still likely that the Biden-Netanyahu meeting is going to happen in New York in September, or it still might be a White House invitation? Well, I certainly hope that it will be a White House invitation because a meeting on the sidelines of the GA does not have the same status. And after President Herzog's uh, very successful visit and meeting in the White House, uh, I think, to its 
or more important for Netanyahu that he have the meeting in the White House and said that he was invited there and his aides heard the conversation, said it was repeated twice, that the president, I think, mentioned coming to the White House. So I hope that will be the outcome. It, it does make a difference, even though it may be symbolic to people, but oh, uh, I think it's a message to the international community that this is a serious endeavor and it's an elevation of the meeting. Uh, and if the Speaker of the House decides to invite him to a joint sen- a joint session of Congress, yeah, I, I don't think that's likely now. To I don't even I don't even know if he'd be able to it. accept it. I don't well, know. It would be politically uh, wrought, but uh, right now it doesn't exist, so I don't right. have to worry about it. Yeah, I just wonder if he could even say yes at this point uh, without worrying about insulting everybody. Um, also, when we were reading about all the defections, so to speak, the concern was that uh, there's something going on up north. Uh, concern was that there's you know reservists that are necessary and needed now uh, in terms of activity uh, versus Syria and the Golan, etc. I assume the greatest concern up there was a threat by Hezbollah. Could you give us a an update about the northern border? Yes, that's very important. And the, the unfortunate thing is that there have been many developments regarding Iran. Uh, as you know, Bibi was supposed to go today to Turkey, uh, the first visit in 15 years by prime minister since uh, Omer went, and also visit to Cyprus. Uh, President Abbas was there yesterday. Uh, that was a, a very important and a new deal that Greece, Cyprus, and Israel, putting a subsea power cable, which has really big significance uh, for them in the export of energy. Uh, but uh, and, you know, the good stories get completely I- erased. The, the exercise June 1st Barton that took place uh, was mo- mo- mostly a U.S.-Israel naval exercise, but I never heard of it before. The IDF Death Corp, D-E-P-T-H Corp, which is supposedly very uh, shadowy, and they participated. Uh, the border along Lebanon, we've seen uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, troops marching along it in uniform right up to the Israeli border. They didn't tr- attempt to to cross, but they're doing provocative uh, things. The uh, terrorism attempts are, are uh, escalating. The Lebanese just built a road along the, the border, uh, which will facilitate their movement on, on that side. Uh, I think um, the... the uh, the threat there is taken very seriously. It's spoken to people who are up there, and they are looking at it all the time. The um, you know, and that's the danger that people take advantage and, and misread the truth about the, the internal unity that still remains in Israel. And the um, uh, you know, the Iranians are doing these huge exercises. They did aerial exercises, naval exercises. They revealed their new. Um, uh, hypersonic missile, and this all relates to the situation because they're the ones who are behind uh, the, what Hezbollah does. And if they think that they can escalate and get away with it, then they they will. By the way, the, all, all the things that Hezbollah are doing uh, are, are violations of 1701. And you see the UNIFIL uh, troops that are there do not do anything to intervene. But what I was saying is that that the Iranians revealed. The, uh, the next generation of the, of the liquid fuel ballistic missile called Haibar. And, you know, Haibar was uh, a fortified city near Medina 
uh, which was inhabited largely by Jews who were mm. killed by Muslim armies in 628, led by Muhammad. Uh, and it's symbolic, of, you know, the yellow high bar demonstrations because it means to wipe out the Jews. And, this, and the new missile is based on a North Korean one. So again, we see this logistic relationship between them and is capable of carrying a nuclear warhead, it's believed, and, and a cluster uh, uh, weapon. So this direct threat to NATO, to the bases they created in Romania and, and elsewhere. Uh, so all of them are sort of taking advantage. And, and a lot of it is manifest then along the border with, uh, with Lebanon, where Hezbollah obviously has free reign. Right. And we have to watch that very carefully. And we and we and we should assume. I mean, based on what you said earlier, we should assume that even with all the threats by reservists, Israel has the personnel to deal with it, and they don't have to worry about a shortage. Well, they, I think they are concerned because if, if God forbid something really escalates there, right, you're going to need uh, more manpower uh, to. Um, and and if you see the rising terrorism, you saw the study that. There were 3,600-plus Palestinian terror attacks in the first half of 2023. And the escalation in terrorism, which is more than a year old, so it's not related just to this uh, issue, but we've seen it. And that's why they had to go into Janine, why they've been in Fulkarim. Uh, the uh, services recorded, I think, 3,650 terrorist attacks, 2,000 uh, of them rock-throwing and 799 with Molotov, and uh, then uh, you know 18 or 20 attempted stabbings and car and six car ramings, uh, and the shootings though have increased. I think it's over a hundred. So these do not include the attacks on security personnel and counterterrorism operations. So the escalation has been going on. The incitement inside clearly is going on. By the way, we should note that people who are looking always for good news, which they should, that Saudi Arabia has completely changed their textbook, taken out all the reference to monkeys and pigs, taken out the anti-Jewish references and anti-Israel references, and put in stuff about Hamas, Muslim Brotherhood, uh, I think ISIS, in their textbooks, which I think is very important. And the EU said this week that they, there's a call for them to freeze their funding of the money they give for textbooks for the Palestinians because they have only made their textbooks worse. So Saudi Arabia joins Egypt and Bahrain and UAE in really making progressive ste steps to change uh, their textbooks in a hope that this then seeps down into the population where the anti-Jewish and anti-Israel numbers still remain very high, even in Abraham Accord countries. Well, that certainly is good news. Was, was this a direct um, message or threat, or I don't even know if it came from the President of the United States, maybe it came from um, from the State Department or something. Um, th there was something out there about the the only way the United States can progress with a Saudi deal, and I'm assuming they mean also to include you know Abraham Accords-type relationship, is if uh, the prime minister, meaning Netanyahu, gets rid of the extremists and uh, you know disavows himself from those who are extreme uh, in his party, uh, is that is that simply a veiled threat to try to get Netanyahu to budge a bit on this issue? Well, I haven't seen that threat, but uh, it, the answer would be if it is, it's yes. Because remember, there's a flip side to this, and that is that if the United States wants to get a deal through with Saudi Arabia, they need Israel because. A lot of the Republicans will vote against it. 
a lot of others will vote against it. But if it includes something very beneficial in terms of Saudi-Israel relationships, relations, which are could be game changers in, in many respects, because Saudi Arabia is still a leader in the region, and it won't be overnight, but it could be in the longer term, uh, they will need uh, that support, the political support, because there's a lot of anti-Saudi feeling uh, still from 9-11, other things, and um, the Shogi uh, affair, uh, human rights issues that they raise. So it's a two-way street. I, I, I have not seen that particular threat. Uh, it's possible. But I think that the United States seems to still be pursuing it, but there won't be a deal, it looks like, with Saudi Arabia without U.S. involvement. There are other countries, there are talks going on. Um, you've seen the Israelis visiting now in, in Africa, where they accompanied by parallel visits by Iranians who are seeking out and, and trying to establish themselves there, Russians also. Um, but the, the uh, African pitch, and many African leaders have told me that they fear the Iranians. They don't want to deal with the uh, Iranians um, because they're exploitative and they introduce terrorism. And, you know, Iran, which is uh, feeling the benefit of skyrocketing federal reserves, which were $4 billion in 2020 and now are almost $45 billion. And that comes from the sale of uh, energy and that we are providing some of the billions of dollars are allowing Iraq to give it. We're, we're, there's a new plan that with the money would go to Americans, the American government would supervise it in Oman, make sure the money goes for humanitarian projects, but money is fungible. So if you take the money away from there, we know that it's going to, uh, they're going to redirect other funds. And we know that, that the, by the way, Iran morality police have targeted a million women for, for not wearing the headscarves. We know that they sent personal texts to over 130,000 uh, that they should stop using their vehicles. They confiscated 2,000 cars. They referred more than 4,000 repeated advice, uh, uh, offenders. They are uh, deploying uh, TV cameras where they track the women and then uh, for compulsory bailing. Uh, so both internally, you see the crackdown. And the fact is that half the country doesn't have water, that the spigots are running dry in people's homes, even in major cities. And yet all the money that they spend on their uh, terrorists, Hezbollah, Hamas, etc., Houthis, uh, continues to expand. Wow. I was going to ask you about the water shortage. Talk about basic necessities. Half the country. It's very serious. Unbelievable. The, their, their reservoirs, even though they had a very rainy winter, are down 80%. Unbelievable. Um, a recent poll, by the way, I was trying to find it, um, the reference to the Biden threat to Netanyahu. I, I think this is one of those cases where after I put it in my notes, I deleted it from my phone. Um, but if I do come across it again, I'll... Certainly let everyone know. Um, a, a new poll that the Democrat uh, sympathies now lie more with the PA than with Israel. This was a 49 to 38 percentage poll. And the point of the poll was, the, or the point of the analysis of the poll was to demonstrate that even though Democratic uh, government officials certainly are more sympathetic to Israel, that has not changed, thank God. We discussed Congress last week and its attitude toward Israel in light of the vote. Um, but apparently, according to, Democrat, according to this poll, Democratic voters are switching to the other side. Well, first of all, we have to see how the questions are written and what, what the population is selected, who did the poll, 
uh, there are a lot of questions. You know, pollsters are known to be able to get the results that they want, and it's how you shape the question. When the vote in Congress is 412 to 9, despite all the hype about the, you know, the boycotters and the, et cetera, the vast majority of members of Congress, they interrupted with standing ovations uh, the speech of, the, of President Herzog 20 or 30 times. And believe me, it was not easy getting up and sitting down, getting up and sitting down all the time. You know, it's like sitting in shul on, on Rosh Hashanah and uh, to get up all the time. But um, uh, look, the support from the American people still remains strong by all standards. The media obviously has been hostile. That impacts people. We know what's going on on our campuses, the hostility that's being propagated, even in our high schools. And more and more actions are being taken by the organized community that we're going to be more aggressive in trying to root it out. We're getting much more hard information on this. Um, but we know that the campuses have become hotbeds of this. And so when people are, are only fed one side of the story and one image, when they keep being told that 12 people were killed in Janine, for instance, at first the reports for most of the day where five children were killed, when no children were killed, no civilians were killed. A thousand soldiers go in and kill 12 people, all of whom were terrorists, because the terrorist groups identified all of them. Yeah. And, and so that poisons uh, the minds of people. And there's obviously funding and other things behind it, which I hope we are going to be and are being more aggressive countering. What do you think of the increased activity compared to prior years on Harabayat on the Temple Mount on Tishabov, and really year-round the uh, increased presence there? You know, it's, I think people should, Jews and like everybody else, should have the right to go there. And, and uh, you know, that five people were detained for bowing. Yeah, you know, I guess it's saying Modi or saying Leno or something there. Um, I don't believe that it's necessary to have provocative actions that are unnecessary, but the right to go up there, especially to Shabbat, and not to do provocative things and not to, to incite, the, but the other side will try to create provocations so that the media can then hype it and say Ben Gavir was there. Uh, you can disagree a lot with Ben Gavir. Yeah, but he, he acted responsibly, right? He, he actually yeah. did not do anything provocative, right. but his very presence. Right. Is seen as a provocation. By the way, I, I still can't. I mean, I'm sure you can't as well. I, I can't get over the whole Torah burning thing. Now I just saw that Stockholm has approved another public burning of Tanakh, apparently in the application for the protest. It was in protest of children's rights, that they're being violated in Sweden, what one has to do with the other. I have no idea. Last I, was, last I heard, Tanakh was, in, in fact, in favor of children. But I, I'm telling you, Malcolm, I for some reason, this is getting me that there's no... Um, there's no public manifestation. I thought certainly that the religious leaders of our community worldwide, uh, who, who don't usually get involved in protest demonstrations, you know, this type of public display, but I thought we'd use this case to get out there and literally have a Torah celebration in response, uh, uh, you know, there in the capital of Sweden. But it seems like, I don't know, maybe in this case I'm wrong and it's better just to not react to it. So... There is a good case for that. Second of all, I do believe we, we should have, everybody should have reacted immediately to the original threat because that's a measure that when they burned the Quran, we should have protested and put out statements. Some people did, not enough. Uh, and I mean, not just Jews, the general. 
because you have to say that this is a violation, this crosses lines. And it was inevitable that somebody would come up with this line, but it was a protest demonstration. He never intended to burn a sacred Torah. If anything, he applied to burn, to burn a Chumash, right. but it was not a sacred Torah, although I don't think it makes a difference. Right. Uh, but, but he said he did it only to bring attention to the other, to show the hypocrisy, etc. The The Jewish community in Sweden is very small. They've been under a lot of pressure because of the anti-Israel atmosphere, because presence of large Muslim populations, but also government uh, has not seen, is not certainly supportive and has been very critical of Israel. But the the uh, the person behind this newest threat is somebody, let's say, who is considered unstable. And I know it was the decision of many of the people in Sweden not to take it on because of who was behind it. And the thought also that they won't go uh, through with it. Uh, but, you know, you invite copycatting. If they really feel, if the bad guys feel that they're really getting attention and really challenging and really, uh, you know, arousing the anger, uh, it's, it, they just can, will continue to make the threat. And unfortunately, well, or fortunately, for, depending on which side of the spectrum you're on, the, uh, the laws in Sweden allow this as an expression of freedom of speech. Yeah. I think that there should be legislation that goes against that, that you, you can't just have limitless freedom of speech that, that is so offensive and so uh, derogatory to burn the holy books of other people. By the way, they're burning a Christian Bible, too. Yeah, I get and, it. Uh, well, I understand your approach, and I certainly appreciate it, and you're right about all of it, but I'm going to add something, and that is that uh, to all those who are taking international trips and funding them, at insane cost to visit the different sites, I am going to appeal to you uh, to maybe uh, think of arranging a trip where a group of people would go, and I'll, I'll certainly volunteer to be one of them, to go and literally have a positive Torah celebration to demonstrate to the people of Sweden and the world how dear the Torah is to us. And I would hope that religious leaders in our community, rabbis, Rashi Yeshiva, etc., cetera, uh, would endorse such a, a reaction. Um, yeah, here's an opportunity for them to, to really get involved and uh, – <laughs> and 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 as you said, the initial reaction is so important. Let's let's at least get something going for people to see that this is dear to us. But on the other hand, there are, there are people who say we should be calling for people not to go to Sweden and to protest that way, uh, and not to give them the money and the visitors and the tourism that people should stay away and protest that the, that the government must take action all right. to prevent this. So maybe I'll recommend to some of the Russia Yeshiva to have all the Bahram go and do a celebration in front of the Swedish embassy in New York. Is there a Swedish embassy in New York? Do we have to go to Washington? Absolutely. Okay. There's a UN mission and there's an embassy in Washington. So maybe that's what we should do. Here. Maybe that's what we should do. Maybe now, especially that's Ben Asmanim, Tubaav is coming up. Maybe that's what we should do. We should call for thousands of Yeshiva Bahram to, to have a Simchus Torah celebration in front of the Swedish embassy or the Swedish mission to the UN in New York to demonstrate our love and concern for the Torah to not be burned, uh, but to be perpetuated and studied forever. I'll see if uh, anyone jumps on that and I'll start making some phone calls. I think it's a very interesting idea. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Enjoy Shabbos Nachamu and uh, we'll speak to you, please God, next Let's week. I hope it's a Nachamu for everyone Amen. and that people not get depressed that people, I gave you some of the positive news. It's a lot more than I, I could. You know, 50 members of Congress moved to end pay to slave. We, 
I mean, there are just there were too many things that yeah. uh, I couldn't. Uh, and I got I got to get into this whole issue with you about uh, certain countries trying to make sure that the dollar is no longer the default world currency because that's got that's a scary thing. So I don't think we could do that. I'll regalachas. Yes, <laughs> but I'm the wrong guy. You? Uh, economics, oh, economics always made me glaze over. You know what's so what's you know what's so funny? But in my case, it's actually true. I, I'll never understand economics, but I always turn to you when it comes to this stuff <laughs> to explain. Well, I turn to others to try and get to understand all these things. Well, there you have God. it. That that there are people who do pay attention to. That's it. your homework and, assignment: is to find out why the BRICS countries are so anxious to get rid of the dollar. That would be a uh, that that be some, the Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians are behind this. They want to get off the the dollars and think it'll weaken American currency and trade abroad, it has real implications. I can only imagine, God forbid, what it could do to the value of the dollar, which of course would be tragic in many ways. All right, have a wonderful Shabbos and we'll speak again next week. Malcolm Holmline is Vice Chairman Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Candlelighting in New York, 755. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, Sunday, we're at Camp Hask Experience Day. That'll be Monday mornings, JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in for that. Monday morning, JM and the AM will be our visit to Camp Hask. Very much looking forward to it. And, of course, all of our great weekend programming is coming up, including at 10 a.m. this morning, Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. He's got over 100 Nachamuv Eschanan Haftorah selections that will be on starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Make sure to be tuned in. And a big thank you to our friends at Kedem. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas for Eschanan. Whoa. And tomorrow, as we know, because of the special Haftorah that we read this Shabbos, on the Shabbos after Tisha B'Av, the Haftorah begins Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, that my nation should be comforted, consoled. The Shabbos has that special designation of Shabbos Nachamu. According to the Chinuch Parshas for Eschanan, contains 12 mitzvos, 8 positive mitzvos, and 4 restrictions. Now, first of all, I never fail to get excited about taking note of the resiliency of our people. It was literally just 24 hours ago, less, that we were sitting on the ground and it wasn't until mid the day that we got up from being on the ground and the whole idea that the Jew is able to get up from Tisha B'Av and to literally go to the other extreme of feeling that close, positive connection to Hashem. We felt a connection to Hashem on Tisha B'Av by focusing on that which we are lacking and we forge a positive relationship and 
connection with Hashem when we think on this Shabbos of that which we have. Interesting to note, last Shabbos, Parshas, Devorim, Shabbos Chazon, we focused on the fact that there were only two mitzvos, and those two mitzvos were communal mitzvos. And those two mitzvos had to do with the distortion of justice, as we saw in the Torah for Shabbos Chazon. And those were the communal mitzvos and appointing judges who were qualified, making sure that the judges were not going to yield to pressure. And now what do we have in this week's Parsha? The Torah itself, the Kriyas HaTorah of Parshas for Eschanan itself gives us an Ahama. What do we have in the Parsha? We have the Aseris HaDibros. What do we have in the Parsha? We have the Shema Yisrael. The Aseris HaDibros and the Shema Yisrael clearly before we get into any of the particulars, remind us once again of that special, warm, positive relationship that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has with Am Yisrael and with each individual. As well, the mitzvah of Tfilin Shel Yad, Tfilin Shel Rosh, having a mezuzah on the door, and even the prohibition, the prohibition of intermarriage, all this shows HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves for, love for Am Yisrael and his means of keeping us special and unique. And just as Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, which doesn't only mean God is one, but He is unique, so too we are a unique people, and He in His Torah is the one who adjures us to be unique, provides us with laws to ensure that we will be unique. I'd like to focus for a moment or two on the opening words of the Haftorah. Now, it's true when it comes to the Torah itself, we have every right to ask how many extra words in the Torah? And we know the answer is none, because it is direct dictation from Hashem, and therefore every single word and every letter is accountable. How about the Navi? When the Navi says, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, why the double expression of Nachamu? So the first answer is quite clear that the Chachamim say, take note of the Pasuk beyond, the second Pasuk. What does it say? Clearly, Dabru, Alev Yerushalayim, literally speak to the heart of Yerushalayim, Bikiruwe Leho, Kimo O that what? That her time of exile has been fulfilled. Kinirza Avona, her iniquity has been forgiven. Kilochom Yar Hashem, for she has received from the hand of Hashem, Kiflayim, double b'chol chatosel, double for all her sins. She sinned double 
and therefore a double nochama. She is to be consoled, double. I'd like to suggest, however, that the term nachamu, nachamu, ami, which means literally, be comforted, be comforted, ami, my people, is really to proclaim, says the Navi, that there's a nochama that's coming to the Jewish people, and no less a nochama, consolation that's coming to God. Whoa! What does that mean? It means that we are reminded of this special relationship that existed not only when we had a Beis HaMikdash, but even without, and Mir Hashem, there will be, as we will promise, the third Beis HaMikdash, that relationship with Hashem that basically says that as we, the Jewish people, as we are in Golas, so too is HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Golas. And therefore, the Gemara in Megillah, Chavtes Hamadala, teaches in the name of Shimon Bar Yochai, come and see how beloved are the children of Israel before Hashem. Wherever they went into exile, God's presence, the Shechina, is with them in Golos. When they went into Golos, into Egypt, the Shechina is with them. When they went to Bavel, Shechina was with them. And take a look, says the Gemara, the Av Kishena Sidili Goel, and also in the future, when they are to have their final destination and they're destined to be redeemed, the Shechina will once again be with them. As we find in Pashas Nitzavim, Vishav Hashem Lokecha Eshvuscha. Hashem will return with your returning exiles. This was the promise that Hashem made to Yaakov Avinu before Yaakov went down to Mitzrayim. What HaKadosh Baruch Baruch Hu say, I'm going down with you. As well, I will rise up with you. And the Beis HaLevi says so powerfully on that verse that when we go down, he goes down. When we come up, he comes up. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his destiny and that of Klal Yisrael are inextricably bound together. Wow, what an incredible source of comfort. And therefore, Nachami, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, therefore, the Navi is promising consolation both for the Jewish people as well as for a Kurdish Now, this is a most fascinating and uplifting concept. That of Imo Anochi Betsara, that a Kurdish is with us when we have our Tsara. Our Tsara is his Tsara. And 
I'm going to quote for you a Mishnah Brura that's found in the laws of Purim and Talis Esther. But what applies to Purim and Talis Esther applies to all the fast days, and certainly the fast day of Tisha that we just experienced. And the Mishnabura tells us why do we fast on the 13th of Adar, the day before Purim, the day we went to war, is because when the Jewish people went to war, they fasted, as Moshe fasted, when we fought against Amalek, as taught to us at the end of Parshas Bishalach, so too when our people went to war at the time of Purim, they too, says the Mishnah Brura, Bivadai, Hayumis Anim Yom, they fasted. And therefore we fast. And it's called Talis Esther. Now listen to the words. Kedei Liskor to remember. Shashem Yisborach, Ro'er, God sees Vishomeya and he hears. Kol Ish, each individual. Be'es Sora So, at the time of his need, at the time that he is in pain. Kashayis Anem, when he fasts. And he returns to God with all his heart, as was done in those days. And indeed, the Rambam, in his introduction to his listing of mitzvot, as found within the Yad HaChazaka, the Rambam writes that the rabbis had no license to just make rabbinic mitzvot, but he goes on to show that the rabbinic mitzvot are based upon biblical concepts. And therefore, he says, how about the reading of the Megillah and the observance of Purim? So he writes the following, In order to teach future generations, it's true, Mashiv Tachinu Batorah, that which he promised us in the Torah, which we're going to read this coming Shabbos. In Parshas for Eschanan, this week's Torah portion, Umi Goi Godol Asher Lo Elokim Krovim Love, who was the great nation that has Hashem close to them? Kashem Elokeinu, as the relationship that we have with God, Bechol Koreinu love. When whenever we call to Him, He is there to respond to us. Amazing, this relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael is one that is there throughout the generations. And this is what we are, quote-unquote, celebrating this coming Shabbos. I'd like to take it one step beyond, and that is as follows. I'd like to turn to one of the most famous prayers, which became part of our liturgy relatively late in Jewish history, namely from the Jewish community, which 
came about after the Spanish expulsion and in Sfas, when Jews first came to Eretz Yisrael, we have Rav Shlomo Alkabetz, who composed at that time the Lechadodi, which is, I believe, pretty much universally said, sung throughout the Jewish world. So I'd like to share with you a beautiful understanding of Hisna'ari. Come on, get up. May offer from the dust, Kumi, talking to the Jewish people. This is what's going to happen. Livshi, adorn yourselves and wear big day sefarteich ami, garments of glory, my people. But I heard once a beautiful interpretation. Livshi, big day sefarteich. Put on the garments of royalty, of glory, colon, ami. When do you deserve to wear garments of royalty? When you are one people united. And especially today in Eretz Yisrael, without going into the reasons why this faction feels this way and that faction feels another way, we all are so frustrated by what we see and hear the protests in Eretz Yisrael, I'd like to suggest that what can we do? We who are 6,000 miles away, and we in Eretz Yisrael, besides showing literally love to our Achino Kobes Yisrael, I really believe that when we daven Shemona Esrei, and we come to the last bracha, of Shmona Esrei, Sim Shalom, Tovo Bracha, Sim Shalom, pause and say, I really do love all Jews. I can understand that maybe many of them are Tinoko Shenishbu. Many of them grew up in secular homes. And if they grew up in secular homes, from their perspective, they might feel unfortunately threatened. Let them know that we Torah-observant Jews have only love for them. And how can we let that know to them when it's permeated within us? Sim Shalom, literally amongst Klai Yisrael, and we should be Zohar to that beautiful designation of Ami. Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. My people, and my people includes all of Klai Yisrael. May this come about speedily in our day, wishing everybody a very, very special Shabbos Nachamu, Shabbat Shalom to all. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin. Uh, the, the background noise you heard was on Rabbi Yudin's end, uh, not from here, so I apologize for that, but I thank him for again addressing, as he does on a weekly basis, the weekly Parsha of Eschanan, and of course, Shabbos Nachamu. J.M. and the A.M. on a Friday morning broadcast. It is, in fact, Arab Shabbos Nachamu with candle lighting at 7.55 in the New York area. Make sure you know when things start where you are around the world. Well, I've asked Rav Judah Michelle, the executive director of Camp Hask, to join me for one reason. We've had an opportunity uh, already during this summer to discuss Camp Hask and the incredible place that it is. 
But Rev. Judah is going to issue a formal invitation to everybody in the Parksville area or anywhere that you want to come from on Sunday to actually come and see and hear and experience what Camp Hask is all about. The magic, the beauty, everything that we always talk about for the last, oh my gosh, I don't know how many decades. Rev. Judah, Michelle, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Baruch Hashem, people take your invitation seriously. I can attest to that because by the time 10, 30, 11 o'clock Sunday morning shows up, all of a sudden there's an influx of people, not only from the Catskills who are there for Shabbos, but from New York, New Jersey, Long Island. A lot of people want to come and be part of this experience this coming Sunday. Yeah, we are. Yes, thank God. This is, uh, it, it, it's now number of years that we're doing this program and uh every year every year more and more friends and family and alumni and and uh and supporters are joining us and we're we're, we're very very excited i hear in your voice uh a little anticipation for sunday's event as if there's a few things that still need to be done before candle lighting am i right or wrong <laughs> it's a very good way. It's a very good way to put it. It's a very good way to put it. You know, it's like it's like, it's, it, but, but it's like if you call somebody Arab Pesach and say, "Hey, you're ready." You know, you, I don't have to be. We don't have to be ready yet. We do have time. We do have. By the, by the way, way, by the way, there's another answer. And remember, this is coming from someone who made a wedding Arab Pesach. There's another answer to that, which is, you know, that when candle lighting shows up on, on Pesach night, we're all going to be ready anyway. Anyway, so when you know that 10 o'clock Sunday morning when Experience Day begins, the camp is going to be 100% ready for everybody. Hold on, can I, do you mind if I, oh, if you're listening, and we're waking a wedding, God willing, in between Yom Kippur and Sukkot this year. Literally. So, uh, so I'm going to, literally, it's not as crazy as our Pesach, but. Your days, yeah, your days, um, just So I, that's Tuesday night, I assume. Yeah. I might issue, but I just invite everybody to our wedding also. A hundred percent. Are you kidding? That would be amazing. Um, I, so if, if I'm if I'm right, because the tenth obviously is Monday. That's Yom Kippur. So I assume Tuesday night is the wedding, right? Wednesday night. A Wednesday, Wednesday night. Wednesday. Even closer. Wednesday. Even you know, give a day. Yeah. Give a day. Give a day after Yom Kippur. Also, we got to get the inflatables and the peddings already and the, and the big stage. With... Oh, wait, hold on. It's You're, a different party. You might be confusing events. If Judah Michelle is with us. All right, now I get it. He's got the right perspective. If he's making an Erev Yontif wedding, then Hask Experience Day is not, in fact, the biggest deal to prepare for. He knows it's all going to be ready at 10 o'clock on Sunday. And this really, and there's two things here, Judah. Number one, you're being serious. You're on the air literally to invite everybody who wants to drive a mile or 300 miles to come and be part of it Sunday. That's number one. And number two, uh, there is, and we'll talk more about this on Sunday, and people will hear it Monday morning, uh, there's plenty of discussion about the incredible youth-led Pillars Society, which has become such an important backbone of support for Camp Hask. And it's really Sunday is really an opportunity for you guys to pay attention to that group of people as well. So there are a couple of really nice things going on at the same time. But I'll tell you, you're right. It's not just people in the Parksville area, uh, although our, probably our biggest challenge is ironically parking. Right. I'll take her Parksville Ella parking. Right. Um, but we have we know for sure now that we have we have a group of people coming from Chicago, Los Angeles, um, Toronto, Florida, and uh, and and Eric Israel. People are flying in from to see their, their families, to see their, their kids who are working here, and 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 friends. People made 
a trip around it, and um, it's going to be a really phenomenal day. Meaning, this is going to be unlike anything we've ever experienced up here in Camp Pass, just in terms of sheer numbers. Judging from the amount of people who have uh, who have responded and let us know that they're coming, um, I mean, we're 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 bracing for an unbelievable for an unbelievable day and for a wonderful show of support and uh, and friendship over here. And how silly do I feel? The biggest number I used was 300 miles. You got people coming in from 6,000 miles away. And by the way, we should mention Joey Newcomb, Baruch Levine, uh, many other performers are all going to be part of the 12 noon concert. So Camp Hask is known for a lot of things. One of the things it's known, known for is having Jewish music at the centerpiece of at most of their events. And that's going to happen uh, this coming Sunday. So in January, we might gather in Lincoln Center. But if you want to be at the Hask concert in July, you got to be up in Parksville. It's just one of the components that, that's going to make Sunday a very fun yeah, day. Just carpool. Just everybody should carpool. People never should carpool. You know. <laughs> or Uber. What's wrong with Uber? You can, you can Uber. Uber is good too. Uber is good too. Uber is good too. Carpool is good too. You're right. The concert is going to be amazing on Sunday. It, it, it's a family day. There's uh, there are activities for kids. We've got a petting zoo and all sorts of inflatables and games and and ride for kids. I mean, it's going to be a, a very special day. We're, we're 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 so lucky to have a partner in Eretz Hakodesh. Who are, uh, who are our, our major sponsor for the day, um, and, uh, and a lot of wonderful uh, members of the community who have stepped up to help enable this day. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be meaningful, a chance to really get a peek behind the curtain. And, uh, and like you said, it should try to connect with it and experience with it firsthand. A hundred percent. And uh, we'll talk more on Sunday and people will hear on Monday about how uh, the youth, and I don't mean, I don't mean teenagers folks. I mean, people in their twenties, thirties have really uh, taken the, uh, have, have really taken seriously the concept of passing the torch and accepting the torch of keeping Camp Hass going, which makes them as strong as ever. A lot of organizations, you know how it is, time goes by and it's hard to stay strong. But Hask has been the beneficiary of a tremendous effort from that generation, and they're as strong as ever in 2023. And with more details about that, obviously, Monday at JM in the AM. Rev. Judah, enjoy Shabbos. Send regards to all the uh, usual suspects. You know who I mean. And uh, have a wonderful Shabbos uh, pre-Hask uh, Experience Day up in uh, Camp Hask. Yeah, thank you very, very much. We're, we're looking forward to welcoming friends and alumni, parents of our staff, and uh, over 700 members of our Pillar Society and their families who have already RSVP'd for the uh, for the special reception that we have up here for them. Oh, that's... We're very, very excited. Yeah, I mean, that, that says it all. Uh, they take a lot of pride in it. Have a Shabbat Shalom, Rib Judah, and we'll see you Sunday. Shabbat Shalom. Hashem. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll see you Sunday. Very much looking forward to it. JM and the AM Friday morning broadcast here on an era of Shabbos Nachamu. Could you imagine it? Shabbos Nachamu here at JM in the AM. Nothing like it. Um, nothing like Shabbos Nachamu. There are a couple of people on the air. I, I should have gotten on the air just to discuss Shabbos Nachamu and its unique place on the Jewish cat. I don't think Rabbi Heber could do the Shabbos Nachamu conversation. I don't think so. <laughs> I would need I would need some cat skills experts. I would need some Shaduchim experts. I would need people around the world to talk about the Shabbos Nachamu experiences, how different this Shabbos is and every other Shabbos coming off of uh, the three weeks, nine days, and, of course, Tisha B'Av as well. Uh, we'll have to do that one of these days, hopefully. 
Um, and of course, if it's Erev Shabbos Nachamu, you know what everyone's thinking about. They're thinking about grilling up a storm this weekend, especially with the weather we're expecting in this area on Sunday. So far, it looks spectacular. Let it stay that way, please. Uh, you, you, you want to barbecue up a, a storm. You want to you grill for your family and friends, and obviously you know our recommendation. Uh, make sure it's an amazing and incredible July barbecue with our friends at A&H. Today, I'll be doing it today. I'll be heading to the uh, supermarket, getting myself a package of A&H knockwurst. You can get the hot dogs if you want. You can get the, um, uh, the uh, sausages if you want. Uh, you can get the regular hot dogs, the specialty hot dogs. A&H is a whole line of everything you can imagine. Go to kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code RADIO, and there you can see the entire list of items. Uh, and I'll be uh, getting a package of hot dog rolls and getting ready for some fabulous dinner, whether it's Sunday after the Hask experience or whether it's later in the week. Uh, we'll be grilling up a storm just like so many of you uh, who are expecting to do so this weekend. A&H, everybody. What do we always say? Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. Today's the day to go to your supermarket and load up on A&H products. You've missed meat for a while, right? <laughs> Here's an opportunity to, <laughs> to ease that craving with our friends at A&H. Go to kosherdogs.net. 10% discount with promo code radio. Enjoy A&H today. You'll be glad you did. And on this Erev Shabbos Nachamu, we continue at JM in the AM. Dry the tears that shriek your weary face Your wounded soul will be consoled By the wonders of this place Laugh away the fears There's no need to be afraid This storm will pass See sunlight splash On these stones and on your face After these long days of sorrow long nights and there'll come a time to leave the sadness behind we'll rejoice again after this black night passes a new light will dawn and you'll see look how it shines follow the signs Nachamu Ami Nachamu Ami So be strong, be true, be brave You gotta keep your head up high You're young and you'll be smiling soon There's no need to cry So smile and dry the tears The day will soon be gone We'll rise again Throw off these chains Return to carry. Sadness behind will reach 
There it is, Nachamudan Bayari Kunstler on this JM in the AM Friday morning. By the way, a special hello to David Levy. David Levy is tuned in in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Boy, we had a lot of areas of the world tuned in this morning. I got to tell you, hello, Thornhill, Ontario. Hello, Ramat Beit Shemesh. Hello, Mitzpah Yericho. Hello, Cleveland. Uh, what else did we have this morning? We had a whole bunch this morning, I must say. Very, very happy about that, to say the least. So a very, very big thank you to all those who've been checking in. Um, who've been checking in here at JM in the AM on an Erev Shabbos Nachamu. Don't forget, Mark Zamek has the um, Erev Shabbos show coming up, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And that's going to be happening starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time this morning right here at uh, the Nachum Siegel Network. Over 100. All brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. 100 songs. Nachamuva, Eschanon, Haftorah related. Pretty good, huh? It's all coming up to keep it at the Nachum Siegel Network. Time to take a Shabbos with Journeys at JMNAM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by.
Israel and Anthony Mechemer, brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday, Erev Shabbos Nachamu here at JMN. Mark Zamek hosting the Erev Shabbos show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's coming up at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Erev Shabbos music mix all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Final hour coming up just, uh, just before 7 p.m. Eastern time, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. We're at Camp Hask on Sunday, everybody. That'll be Monday mornings. JM and AM. Matis with JM Sunday this coming Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern time. And tomorrow night, it's Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler with Saturday Night Seagull. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Enjoy Shabbos Nachamu. Till next week, Nachum Seagull reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>